Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, two old friends meet by chance after not seeing each other for quite a few years. After some more general conversation, Hannah pauses for a moment and then says to Madison, So, you know, it's it was no secret that a lot of us had our doubts about Sean when you got married. So I, I have to ask, what kind of husband has he turned out to be? Oh, Madison asks very quickly, he's the best, no one better. Really? Her friend asked. How do you know? Well, that's easy. He tells me. One day it's, you're so lucky to have me, Madison, and not some other man. And another day it's, you will never understand what a great husband I am to you, but no one, no one could ever love you like I do. Hannah's voice gets a little more strained, concerned. Well, okay, that's what Sean says, but how do you know that he's the best husband ever? Oh, don't worry, Madison answers again very quickly. It's all the little things that he does and the, the way he looks out for me. Like, like when we got back from our honeymoon, he sold my car because only he would need one to get, get to work. And, and, and the way that he gives me $20 extra every week that I can spend just on myself, not on groceries or stuff for the house. That's more than other men do for, for their wives. And every day when, when he, he lays out my clothes for the day, he, he tells me how much he loves me. And I always know that if I've cooked him a good dinner, he'll tell me again in the evening. I mean, who could ask for a better husband? I see, Hannah replies. And, and, and what kind of father is he? I know you always wanted a big family. This time, Madison answers not quite so quickly. Sean says he's a great father and that his boys from his first marriage love him to pieces. I hope to meet them someday. But but every time I've talked about starting our own family, he said it's not time yet or that the world doesn't need another mouth to feed or, or something. He knows these things, so I just need to resign myself to, to not having kids. Now, Hannah sees the problem. Madison probably sees it too, but can't bring herself to say it. There is a disconnect between what Sean says and what Sean does. The way he treats her does not match up with what he says about himself. There is a way to know that he is a good husband, but it is not by him simply claiming to be one. And there is a way to know that someone is a good Christian, but it's not by simply claiming to be one. The Apostle John, in our second lesson today, 1 John 2, 3-11, wants us to understand that there is a need and there is a way to sort the real from the fakes and the sincere from the hypocrites. 
whether it's an issue of testing your own faith in life and or, or, or showing who really gets to represent Christianity to the world, the Holy Spirit here gives us what is necessary. This is how we know. But why do we need to know? Now, obviously, Madison really needs to know in that situation what the truth is so that she can get out from under it. She also needs Hannah to tell her the truth about what is going on that Hannah can see and she cannot. It would be really good if someone would also help Sean see the truth of things there. But when it comes to knowing whether someone's a Christian or not, well, many people today would suggest that since faith or unbelief is is an intimate and, and personal thing that, that nobody has any business testing, well, let alone judging anybody else's faith, and it also say that whatever belief you happen to have is just fine for you because it's yours and, and you're the one who decides if it's right for you or not. But faith is not just a personal thing. What you believe, what you really believe, determines the way that you live. And the way that you live affects everyone around you. And when others believe the same things that you do, together you have an even bigger effect on the world. So it is our business to know whether someone who claims to be a Christian really is one or not. And it is others' business to know whether we are really Christians or not when we claim to be. And as far as judging your own faith goes, the test that John gives us is even more necessary for that. Now, five minutes after your baptism or confirmation, you might be able to say with absolute confidence, I am a Christian. My life is entirely the Lord's. There is nothing more important to me than the love of God. But after that, after that, it's not always so easy. There are the days when Satan is strong on the attack, planting doubts in your mind about whether you really understood what you were doing, whether you really mean what you say when you recite the creed, whether you really believe in Jesus or not. There are the evenings when you're going to bed and getting ready to pray when you remember all the sins that you committed during that day, the hateful way you treated someone, the selfish grasping for things that you desired, the, the lazy failure to accomplish what you were supposed to. And you wonder, you wonder whether you're worthy to be praying at all. And then there are all the different ideas and opinions about Jesus and sin and liberty and identity and about what is right and what is wrong and sorting out what to believe and do just becomes so much work. And you think maybe, maybe you'll just never know where you really stand. But you can. What we need to know about others or about ourselves, we can pretty easily discover. John tells us how. He gives us some tests. They are simple in concept, though not always so simple in application. The hardest thing about them is accepting their results because 
Their simplicity makes them hard to ignore or to interpret away. So if you want to know for sure, if you are a follower of Christ, here are the tests. Do you say, I know the Lord, but don't keep his commands? If so, then you are a liar, and the truth is not in you. Do you say, I know the Lord, and keep God's word? If so, then the love of God is truly made complete in you. Do you say that you remain in Him and that you walk as Jesus walked? Well then, if so, you can know that you are in Christ. Do you say that you remain in Him and do not walk as Jesus walked? If so, then you are not in Christ no matter what you say. Do you say that you are in the light of Christ and yet hate your brother? then you are not actually in the light. You are still in the darkness. Or do you say that you are in the light and love your brother? If so, then you remain in the light and nothing causes you to stumble as you go through life. But if not, if you hate your brother, then you are in the darkness and you walk in the darkness and you don't know where you are going because you are blind to the things of God. Those are the tests. This is still the season of Epiphany, so, so let's use the story of the Magi to illustrate. The wise men were somehow, we're not told how, but somehow brought to know the truth of God's promises, and they put their trust in Him so much that they left their homes, journeyed long and hard, a great distance, and they brought expensive gifts to present to the newborn Savior of the world. They knew the Lord, and they kept His word. And the love of God was made complete in them, those first Gentiles, to, to bask in the light of the world that was Jesus. But the priests and the religious experts in Jerusalem, whom Herod consulted to find out where the Messiah was to be born, what did they do? They surely claimed that they knew the Lord, no one better, and they even were able to tell Herod and the Magi what God's Word said in Bethlehem. But they didn't walk the walk. They did not make their own way to Bethlehem to see the child that they had been told about who was their King and their Savior. Though they never would have appreciated it at the time, they chose the darkness instead of the light. It's not hard to see the same things happening in our world today. There are Christians who claim the name and take God at His word, and so they walk the walk. What He says about how to live is exactly how they strive to live. They do the things that Christians do. And sadly, there are also plenty of people who call themselves Christians, who take only what they want from God and His word, and ignore everything else, everything that doesn't fit with what they desire for their lives. And the sad result of the test is that those in the second group are not Christians, are not saved, and are not going to heaven. 
It sounds harsh. We don't like to say it, but it is true. And it is better that we and they know it. To put it simply, it is not a real trust in the Lord if you presume to ignore what He actually says and wills. And if you believe in a God who is okay with you doing what you want instead of what He wills, then the God that you believe in is not the Lord. The Lord is the only one who saves. Faith without the works that naturally and thankfully follow from it is no faith. Faith without the love that God has shown us in Christ being reflected back is no faith. Light without love is no light, only stumbling darkness. That is why it is so important to have these tests, to to know whether we truly stand with the Lord in faith or not. Because we want, we want to live in the light of Christ, the gospel. We want to live forever in, in the glory and the bliss of heaven. But if we do not truly follow Him, then, then the way before us is, is darkness leading only to death and hell. But God wants us with Him in paradise. But since we are sinners who deserve only His wrath and punishment, what can be done? Only God can do what must be done. And He did what we could not. He sent His Son. The verse is right before our text stated beautifully. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate before the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the whole world. In Christ, who paid for our every transgression with His life and blood, our sins are forgiven. In Christ, We who were unrighteous rebels are given credit for the obedience of God's own Son. At the cross, death, sin, and Satan were defeated once and for all. And when Jesus rose from the dead, He cleared the way to eternal life for all who put their trust in Him. So, that's what we do. We put our trust completely in Him. Trust not only in what He has done for us, but trust in His wisdom and His will for us. Because we know that a God who loved us that much can be counted on to only ask of us what is best for us. True faith, therefore, accepts God's complete authority over one's life and includes obedience to His will. All of it. Everything he says in his word. Sadly, any faith that rejects God's complete authority over one's life does not qualify as faith. It has the form of faith, perhaps, or echoes of belief, but is hollow, empty, futile, blind, and dark. So believe. Believe and Live in the light. Live as a child of God. Live as a disciple of Christ. Trust Him and follow His commands. Believe in Him and follow that specific 
old and new command to love your brother and sister as God has loved you. That's what Christians do. This is how we know. And when we do, our lives are are actually, truly, really better. Sure, we will have problems and suffering because we follow Jesus. He, He told us to expect as much. And we may not enjoy the things that our flesh wants us to enjoy, but when we live according to God's commands, we are following the owner's guide. We are doing what we were designed to do as we were designed to do it. And that way, we'll always get the best results. And of course, when we live this way, others benefit too. Not only because we're not hurting them in any way, because that would be against God's will, but because we are actively, positively, determinedly loving them. Which means we put their interests ahead of our own. We do what's best for everyone instead of what's just best for us. And we serve, and we help, and we advise, and we listen, and we comfort. That's what Christians do. This is how we know. And then the people around us will know too. They will see what knowing Christ does and means in practical, tangible ways. As His light shines in and through us, those without faith will be attracted to God and to His Gospel. And then we will have the privilege as fishers of men of telling them all about their Savior from sin and their hope of heaven. This is another way that we love them. This is how they know. So what will you do with this knowledge that these tests provide? God's plan is that you put it to work. It is useful, yes, for judging the faith and life of other people, or rather, their claims to follow Christ. But it is most important for looking at yourself to test your own faith, to see if you are indeed walking as Jesus walked and doing the things that Christians do, or if there are things that you need to repent of and remove from your life in order to align it more and better with God's will. The truth of God here is that one cannot be a Christian and at the same time choose to be disobedient or hateful. But the gift of God is that in Christ He has cleansed us of our sins and our failures and made it possible for us to love Him as He wants to be loved by keeping His Word and by loving our brothers and sisters. And so whether our testing today or tomorrow reveals us to be standing firmly or struggling to stand as God's children doing His will in the world, we can always give thanks for His grace. Whenever and wherever we fail, He is faithful and He forgives. The same power that He uses to restore us and make us righteous, we can then use to live as He has called us to live, following His will and loving others. We find everything we need to know about this, about His will, about His grace, and about His power, all of it for us, 
We find it in His Word, in the Bible. And so we keep that Word. The love of God is truly made complete in us. This is how we know. Amen. Please rise. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.